Episode 27 of the Bowery Capital Startup Sales Podcast. Welcome back to the Bowery Capital Startup Sales Podcast. Today we have Emmanuel Scalo with us, who is the uh, head of sales at Influitive. Influitive, uh, I'm sure many of you are already familiar with it, but it is the advocate marketing platform for customer engagement. Um, Emmanuel comes to us today with a lot of experience uh, managing sales teams and uh, is going to share with us today some insights around in her view, the keys to sales ops success, which I know is a topic uh, top of mind for a lot of early stage SaaS founders and, and salespeople out there. So, Emmanuel, we're very excited to have you today. How are Thanks, you doing? Nick. I'm great. Thanks. Awesome. Well, uh, you know, to kick it off, I'll just turn it over to you for, for a minute or two to give our listeners a sense of your background. Great. Uh, so, as Nick said previously, I'm currently running sales at Influitive. Uh, been with Influitive for over a year. Uh, prior to that, had a handful of successful um, exits, uh, namely Endeka, where I was uh, the first non-technical hire and helped grow that company to uh, a very nice acquisition uh, with Oracle. Uh, played a variety of roles there in, in the sales world. Um, and then to Vertica, which uh, again, um, played a variety of roles as a first salesperson um, and uh, exited that with uh, an acquisition by HP um, and then spent a bunch of time at a company called Sophos running their global operations and their global channel. So sales ops or sales operations is you know something that you know I think especially over the last year or two has started garnering a lot more attention. Um, and you know I think as we'll talk about today, an extremely critical consideration for you know especially for early stage SaaS companies. Um, but, you know, I think just to, before we dive into kind of specific metrics for success, um, I just kind of love to hear your thoughts on, you know, really what is sales ops? Like, how do we define it? Yeah, it is, uh, in the world of SaaS, um, specifically, um, it is a pretty critical role in terms of, I define it as a right hand man to the right hand woman to the VP of sales. Uh, one of the unique things that I have in my background is I spent, um, almost an equal amount of time in a sales operations role as also in a, um, an actual quota carrying sales role. So, um, I think I'm pretty, I guess, have expertise in, in this particular topic. Um, the role of sales operations I define as owning sales productivity. Um, and there's two aspects to sales productivity. There's one that I like to, to turn, I call it the effectiveness and there's one that's the efficiency. So how do I break that down? Um, effectiveness is all about, when you're selling, um, how to be the most effective you can. So it's in the heat of the moment, how is a rep the most effective they can be when they have that selling time? So that's what effectiveness is. People have often called that sales enablement or sales productivity or something along that lines, but you can put it in the overall umbrella of, of operations. The second is um, efficiency. And that's more about making sure your reps have the most available time to sell. Um, so that's usually typically what we consider quote unquote operations. So that's the systems, the tools, the metrics, the analysis. So it's making sure that, you know, the sales reps are selling the most, you know, that basically have the most selling time possible. Um, together, 
that role, sometimes it's two people, sometimes it's one one person, but together that role really drives sales productivity. um, And that's what you need to be thinking about when you're hiring a sales operations person. Excellent. Well, um, you know, I think as you, you gave us a little bit of insight into it just now, but, you know, sales ops is very data driven and it's all, all really about efficiency. Um, in order to be able to figure out whether you're efficient in order to be able to understand how to optimize your business, you need to be tracking data at all times. Um, obviously you don't just want to boil the ocean though. You want to figure out really, you know, what are the best metrics and the most kind of effective metrics for you know, tracking uh, sales productivity. Um, you know, if you have a sales ops person on board or you're considering hiring one, you know, what should they be tracking? Um, and obviously the entire kind of org has to be aligned around those metrics. Um, and I know, you know, you have a lot of experience in this. And uh, so I thought what would be useful for our listeners is if maybe we could walk through kind of the, you know, the top four um, kind of categories of metrics uh, that you've found to be effective in a sales ops role. Great. So I guess to just kick it off, why don't we talk about sales capacity and ramp? Sure. So this is probably my favorite and the one that's the most underutilized. Um, I spent, I think every sales VP and every sales operations professional should have a capacity model and it should be their Bible. Um, their capacity model shows them all of their productivity metrics of their reps in the past, but also predicts the productivity metrics of the reps in the future, which is the most important part. So getting very tactical for a second here, a capacity model, essentially a bottoms up a capacity model looks like a list of your reps, um, and your future reps. So you need to actually predict what month you're going to hire all the next reps, you know, all your future reps. And I would, my, uh, I would have a capacity model that goes out 12 to 18 months. Um, if you can do 24, that's even better, but at a minimum you want to do 12 to 18 months. Um, and the reason why is because normally a ramp of a sales rep is about six months. Um, now you can determine your own ramp and you know, the way to do that would be to look at some history. Um, and you want to figure out at what point in time does your rep start hitting full quota in a predictable, predictable way. Um, most ramps I've seen are in the six month range in a SaaS company. So uh, that's why you need a good 18 month lag on your, on your entire productivity uh, or your entire capacity model. So you have your reps, your existing reps that are on board, you have your new hires by month, and you have um, a 18 month view going out. Um, and for every month, you actually track the percentage of quota that you expect them to hit. So month one, zero, month two, zero, potentially, and then you would ramp it from there to get to where you think your final, um, your final ramp would be. At that point, you've built out this a model right, that shows you what you can expect to produce and then, you know, in the past based on history and also out to the next 18 months. Um, and it also, this is your hiring plan. Um, because if, if your board or your CEO has given you a certain number and you need to figure out, all right, what's the capacity that I need in order to hit that number, you just keep adding rows to your capacity plan. And that's the number of reps that you need to hire and when you need to hire them. Um, now a couple key things when you build out this capacity plan is one, you know, you want to obviously have, uh, figure out what your ramp is. Um, if you have some history, great. If you don't, Put in six months, it's probably a decent, um, you know, benchmark um, to do. The second thing is you want to, um, 
you want to figure out what your your quota is per rep. And you really want to think about this on a monthly basis. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and you put that in um, in terms of uh, you know measuring your reps. And you may have different kinds of reps with different kinds of quotas. Um, the most important thing you need to do is make sure that the sum of your capacity model. So, being really simplistic for a second, if you have five reps, one's fully ramped. Um, you know, two are in the middle of their ramp and two haven't even been hired yet. Mm-hmm. And you, maybe you have a, a monthly, you know, ramped reps of 1.5, um, uh, in a particular month, what you, and that's enough to hit your number for that month. Mm-hmm. It actually isn't, um, because you always want to have a buffer. I recommend minimum of 20%. Um, my, I don't, I'm personally sleep at night with about 30%. <laughs> Um, and that's to take into consideration a couple things. One is turnover. Um, no matter how good of a recruiter you are, there's a good chance you're going to make a bad hire yep. um, at some point, or um, they're going to leave uh, voluntarily, potentially. So you want to factor in turnover, and you also want to factor in underperformance because not every rep is going to hit 100% of their quota every month. Sure. Um, and so 20 to 30% buffer is probably the most conservative I would go. So if you need... You know, if, you're, if your uh, target says you need two ramped reps, you actually want to have, you know, at probably at least 2.5 ramped reps. Got it. That makes sense. I, I would also imagine in terms of, uh, you know, in terms of considerations here, it, it may also just take a little, especially if you're early on, you don't quite maybe understand your ramp yet, you know, maybe a little bit longer than you expected, or, you know, to begin, you may end up giving certain reps another month than expected to ramp up. Um, so basically just building in enough buffer here for, uh, you know, for uncertainty around sales capacity. And it's a living model. So as you learn more, yep. you change your assumptions, right? Your key assumptions that are going to go into it are your quota, your ramp. Um, those are really the two key ones. You could also do this on a deal basis. You can do it on a transaction basis instead of on a dollar basis. I've seen that be pretty effective. And so instead of quota, it's, how many deals do we think a rep can do per month? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it will be a uh, it will be a living document. And once you have some history, then and and you have some consistency, then you can actually start planning further and further out in the future. Yep, got it. And then I would imagine also going into the future, that will also give you insight into your pipeline and what you need out of your pipeline. Yep. Uh, which we'll talk about a little bit later, but. Uh, you know, I guess moving from sales capacity and ramp, which was kind of our, our first item to our second, let's talk for a second about funnel metrics. Yeah. So this is another one of, of my favorites is looking at the funnel. Um, and I think it's important as an early stage startup to, um, first, first you got to define your sales process. So you got to define the, the various stages in your sales process, but not just your sales process, but also your marketing process. So you need mm-hmm. to go earlier than just sales. So um, at Influitive, we start with an inquiry. And that's the very beginning of our funnel. Um, an inquiry then turns, uh, some inquiries become marketing qualified leads or MQLs. Mm-hmm. Um, some MQLs then become sales accepted leads or, or SALs. Um, and then <laughs> some SALs become sales qualified opportunities or SQOs. Um, and that's, for me, that's sort of when my world starts. Even yep. though I, I actually, I own the SDR, so I do measure SALs and I'm, you know, religious about um, measuring the op- the the sales accepted leads, it doesn't become pipeline until it's an SQO. Um, and then from an SQO, then there's your various stages in your sales cycle, more traditional, you know, whether you're in uh, qualification or 
doing a demo or whatever your sales cycle um, or your sales process is. So mm -hmm. once you've defined it, then what you need to do is you really need to measure conversion at every step. So yep. how, what percentage of your, inc your market inquiries become MQLs? What percentage of your MQLs become sales accepted leads? What percentage of your sales accepted leads become SQOs? What percentage of those go to the next stage in your sales process, the next stage in your sales process, et cetera, and then all the way to win. Sure. Um, and this is hard to do, to be honest, uh, because most CRM systems don't, ca don't, don't actually snapshot data. Um, right. And so you need a snapshot and you need cohort analysis and other things in order to actually do this correctly. Yep. So you probably need an, a tool um, mm -hmm. to do this well. Inside Squared is the one that we use. We also use a tool called Full Circle CRM, um, which is a little bit more on the marketing side. Um, yep. Both together give us uh, the appropriate final metrics that we need to look at it. But this is very interesting for a couple of reasons. One is um, I look at the conversion uh, holistically. So I look at the conversion from my entire team, which is important, right? And um, mm -hmm. that helps me predict how much pipeline I need. Um, you know, that helps me predict how many leads I need. It helps me predict how many inquiries we need so we can go all the way back up and again, forecast out that says if we need X number of wins in six months from now or in eight months from now, we can go all the way back and say, okay, how many inquiries do we need? How yep. many ops do we need? Um, so again, it's really predictive. Mm -hmm. um, it can also tell you, depending on how long your sales cycles are, it can tell you whether you're going to hit your number right. in the future. Because if you don't have enough inquiries in a certain month, um, you can predict two, three, four months out, depending on your sales cycle, that maybe you won't actually hit your number. Um, yep. And you can take action to deal with it um, before it becomes too late, um, which is right. another thing that's, uh, that's great about the funnel metrics. Um, but the last thing is you can, actually, um, you can actually manage your reps this way and you can coach your reps this way because you can see how different reps compare yep. in their conversion. Um, and you may have reps that are really, really good at top of the funnel. Mm -hmm. um, you know, who, they're great at converting leads into ops, but then they fall apart after that. Or sure. you may have reps that are really good at bottom of the funnel, which once an op becomes real, they can close it, and, you know, but they don't, they don't know how to convert enough at the top. So it yep. helps you coach your reps um, to figure out where their strengths and weaknesses are and um, you know, where you can coach them. We're at the point now where in every one of our QBRs, or Q, we call them QSRs, um, quarterly sales reviews, Mm -hmm. uh, each rep independently reports their own funnel. Um, they're, they're, they're managing their funnel. They know what their conversion rates are at every stage. They know where their strengths and weaknesses are. They know if they have enough pipe even to th even six months in the future. Got it. So those specific um, you know KPIs that you then would assign in each um, QBR mm -hmm. or you know quarterly business review for your salespeople, I'd imagine you kind of set specific KPIs to say, hey, look, you know this kind of this one, uh, you know, conversion metric is looking a little weak and that kind of drives sales coaching from there. Is, yeah. is that right? I actually have a poster in the, on the sales floor, right? Which is, uh, it's a bottoms up. How do you make your number? Um, and it's pretty clear and it's a funnel. It's a sales funnel. It basically starts with, this is the number of new meetings that you need to have every week. Mm -hmm. And therefore, and those based on our averages, right? You know, we'll convert into X amount of pipe. Right. And then mm -hmm. based on our averages, those will convert into X amount of we have a, a stage in our sales process, you know, that's called path to close. Right. So those will convert in X amount of those. And based again on our um, our averages, those will convert into X number of wins. And based on our ASP, that's how you hit your monthly target. And so yep. it's pretty it's a funnel for a sales rep and mm -hmm. it's on the wall and it works. Essentially, it works backwards. 
Yep. Um, and so they don't know at the end of the month that they're not going to hit their number, you know, a week out. They can know the very beginning of the month or even the month prior if they haven't been hitting. And for us, it's five meetings a week, right? So they have to have five brand new meetings per week. And then you go from there and that's, you know, how they're going to hit their number. Got it. Um, you know, one kind of interesting, you know, specific metric kind of within that falls under funnel, uh, you know, that I see here is SQO's created trend. Um, you know, a lot of people say, you know, you should take a look at, you know, how many leads you're creating. Um, but, you know, I see specifically here, uh, you know, your sales qualified opportunities, as, as you call them, in fluidive. I guess why specifically do you see that as as a helpful one to track? Um, you know, I guess is that kind of a, a a key metric for you guys as you kind of think about the health of the funnel overall? Oh, absolutely. So, so if I look at um, so my for it's for two things. It's for the SDRs and for the AEs, right? So for the AEs, mm-hmm. they have a metric which is two SQOs per week, right? Yep. Um, and because that's that's the top of our funnel, um, or the top of an AE's funnel, is mm-hmm. t- and so if you don't, if you're not measuring, if you're just looking at pipe after it's created, and I mean the historical measure of pipeline used to be, hey, do you have enough pipe? Do you have your three X or do you have your four X? Right. Okay, that's great, and I think that's an important metric, but you can't figure out whether you have it or not until it's there or not, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so. It's, you know, if it's not, then you're scrambling to go build it, right? And if sure. you actually have a metric that says you have to create so many per week, yep. right, then you'll instantly, on Friday, you'll know if you're behind, right? right. And so right. my metric is two a week. They have to create two a week. And if they didn't that particular week, then they know that next week they got to create three. Right? Yep. If they created one week one, then they got to make it up and create three. And it's just, it's crystal clear. And then we know if we have a healthy pipeline, early on. And this is also important when you're just formulating your pipeline too, and you don't actually even have the history to say whether you have two X or three X or four X or what do you need? Sure. Um, so yeah, so SQOs are, uh, are, are the shared metric between the AEs um, and the SDR. So AEs have their metric. Those SQOs may come from leads that were passed from the SDR mm-hmm. or may come from their own prospecting efforts. I don't actually care. As long right. as I get two. Um, and then the SDRs are, they're paid on SQOs. So even though they pass sales or sales accepted leads, mm-hmm. um, they're paid once at SQO. So they're incented to make sure that the, the sales rep SQOs it. Um, yep. They're also incented to make sure that it's quality enough and it's qualified enough that the sales rep um, passes it. And so they have the same metrics. So they're aligned. They're also quoted on two a week. Got it. And just, you know, for our listeners, um, you know, let's just define the kind of difference between a sales accepted lead or SAL and a sales qualified opportunity or an SQO. Um, are those very similar criteria, but just in one case, it's the SCR and the other, the sales executive or what, what's the difference there? That's how I use it. Mm-hmm. Um, I have seen different, different metrics and it kind of depends on whether SDR sit in, t- in marketing or whether they sit in sales at mm-hmm. Influitive, they sit in sales. Um, so the difference really is, is the SDR saying I've accept marketing. I've accepted this lead. Yep. It meets our criteria and we have documented what our criteria is mm-hmm. and I'm now passing it on to a sales executive. Um, and then the sales executive generally does one meeting and qualifies it or not. 
Um, Got it. So it's a sales executive stamp on it because mm-hmm. it's once they qualify, it's in their pipeline. And I'm holding them accountable to it. Sure. Um, but until they've qual- they've had a chance to personally qualify it, mm-hmm. it's hard for me to hold them accountable for it. Yep. Doesn't mean I don't measure them. And I'm pretty maniacal about saying, hey, you have a lot of sows in your pipe. You know, you got to either push them forward or get them out. Right. Um, so you don't have that huge, you know, build up at the very top of your of your pipeline. Yep. Um, so they have to get through them pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. But they're, they're on the hook once it becomes pipe. Yeah, that's that's an interesting one just because if you, you know, if you were to see that your conversion from SALs to SQOs was pretty poor, you could see pretty immediately that, you know, hey, either our sales development org is really not understanding, you know, what the target customer profile is, or our sales execs are kind of taking the easy way out um, or something along those lines. So, I And that's, that's, I mean, that is exactly what happened to us and it's getting better. But for a while, our conversion from Sal to SQO was not where it needed to be. Yep. Um, and then you have to push on your levers and your levers are qualification, you know, by your SDRs and making sure that the things that they're passing are high quality Mm -hmm. um, and training them and coaching them on that. But also for your sales reps, it's how to have an effective first meeting, right? right? You know, so that you don't end that call with, well, thank you for your time. (laughs) You know, I'll call you later. Cause that to me, that's not a pipeline opportunity. Right. Um, You know, and how do you establish next steps at the first meeting and how do you um, provide enough, um, insight and guidance and vision in that first meeting to compel them to want to take, you know, take the next step. Um, sure. And for us, that's, you know, if there's no next step, if it's, you know, if you haven't convinced them that this is something that they should explore um, and do some kind of a, a evaluation or assessment of whether advocacy and influitive is right for them, it can't be an, an SQO. Um, so it puts it. pressure on the sales reps to have you know, to really have a very qual- a good quality first discovery meeting. Um, and it puts pressure on the SDRs to deliver quality. So that's probably my most important conversion metric is SAL to SQO. And the second most important is SQO to close, sure. um, obviously. And then you can look, you know, you can look at every stage in between to help with rep coaching. Yep. But from, you know, reporting to the board, right. it's, you know, it's inquiry to SAL, SAL to SQO, SQO to close. Got it. Um, and the last question that, you know, I just ask specific to funnel metrics is, you know, if you're, um, if you're an early stage, you know, SaaS founder, you don't have, uh, too much historical information. There are, you know, there are certain conversion metrics, uh, you know, or, or kind of ratios that are kind of well-known in the industry. You know, for example, pipeline coverage, as you were mentioning before, you know, you want three to four X. There are certain others that may not be, it may not be as immediately clear, uh, you know, how well you're doing or what benchmarks you should look at. Of course, every SaaS business isn't the same. Um, You'll be able to see if certain reps are doing worse than others. But I guess, you know, just is there kind of any thought process that you go through if you put yourself in the shoes of an early stage SaaS founder uh, to kind of set initial benchmarks right is that just kind of a i've been in the industry for long enough i have enough you know kind of colleagues i've just absorbed what a good ratio should or what a good conversion rate should or shouldn't be or is is that kind of a 
Well, you said earlier, no SaaS company is exactly alike. You know, some right. are real transactional and selling at you know six hundred dollar MRR, and some are much less transactional, maybe selling at six K MRR. Right, so mm-hmm. um, that is going to make a big difference in your conversions and things like that. But I think there, Serious Decisions has published some standards. Um, there's a whole if you I mean, you can frankly just Google it, and there are some standards out there. Um, so. I see from, uh, for sort of industry standards, some SAL to SQO is anywhere from 50 to 80%. Some of it depends on your definitions and you get a chance, you get the chance to define your own sales process. So you get yep. a chance to define what the, you know, what the conversion rate is by how, you know, how, uh, your, your, like how quality you really want your sales to be sure. like for, uh, at Influitive, because we're fairly new to the market, we're also creating a category I actually, I'm okay if my sal to SQO conversion is even in the 40% or 50% range mm-hmm. because I'm trying to seed the market. Right. And if I, I just want to have a lot of first meetings. Right. Um, right. And I'm okay right now if not all of them convert to real pipeline sure. because I feel like when you're early stage, part of the role of, of sales is actually in awareness and just planting, you know, seeds Right. And, um, mm-hmm. and planting, you know, even just awareness that you exist and what your space is and what your product does. So I think personally, I would loosen up a little bit early stage on that sal to SQO um, mm-hmm. because, you know, and that's what I've done is I just said, let's talk to anybody. Yeah, let's get more meetings. And yeah. that's OK. Um, over time, you're going to want to tighten it up. Right. And, um, and then your um, SQO to win. I think that's your typical coverage. That's your three to four X and that's probably what it should be. And that's what you should be aiming for mm-hmm. much less than three. Um, then you probably have some closed problems that you need to dig into with your sales team. Cool. Well, so far we've covered uh, two out of four uh, key metrics to sales op success. Uh, we talked about sales capacity and then we just wrapped up funnel metrics. We're going to address the last two in a moment, but before that, we're just going to take a quick break and we'll be right back after this message. Hey, podcast listeners, Eric Vreeland here from the Bowery Capital team. This episode of the Bowery Capital Startup Sales Podcast is brought to you by our friends over at rocketship.fm. Are you a startup founder that cares about success in the early days? Do you find yourself struggling to learn from the pros and get the best advice all the time? Well, then get on over to rocketship.fm now. The team over at rocketship.fm hosts amazing 20-minute interviews twice a week with successful startup founders. They talk about the stuff that matters, the early days of business, and the activities that help founders succeed at key points along the way. The best part is they have great guests on their show working for amazing companies that are going through the same issues that you probably are. Companies like HubSpot, GitHub, Basecamp, and many more. We at Bowery are big fans of the podcast and know how hard it is to learn from the pros. So get on over to rocketship.fm today. That's rocketship.fm. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. We're back at the Bowery Capital Startup Sales Podcast. Uh, we're here with Emmanuel Scala, the head of sales at Influitive. And we're talking about keys to sales ops success today. Uh, we just finished up with our first uh, two out of four key metrics. Uh, and so let's let's go ahead and dive into to number three now that we're back. Um, and that would be pipeline metrics. Great. Um, so we talked a bit about pipeline metrics when we went through the funnel. 
Um, and measuring the overall size of your pipeline based on your funnel conversion rates is probably the most obvious pipeline metric um, to look at. But you can go a lot further than that. Um, you can start to really unpick the quality of your pipeline um, and not just the size of it. Um, and you can unpick the velocity of your pipeline as well. So how quickly um, do things move from stage to stage? Um, that's going to help you understand what your average sales cycle is and what it should be, um, not just from lead or op to win, but at every single stage. So you can, again, coach your reps on, wow, you know, you happen to have the longest you know, stage one, whatever your stage one might be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so maybe they're having trouble convincing people to take that next step and maybe it's an evaluation or something along that lines. Yep. Um, or you have an g- amazing, you know, you have an amazing, uh, you have really short, wind, it's really short close sales cycles or in terms of that last stage. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, potentially they do a lot of good, you know, value uh, to work up front so that by the time they get to close, it's, uh, you know, it's super easy. So that's something you can unpick. But I think what's also starts to become really interesting is um, when you unpick the pipeline for the types of accounts that you're trying to sell into. And mm-hmm. if you're working on mostly inbound you probably don't have, you know, uh, a lot of, I could, I'd say, um, you're probably not being as proactive as you could be about what kind of accounts. Um, yep. As you start to go out and do outbound and reach into certain accounts and focus, then you need to start measuring your pipeline in ways such as how many target accounts, right, are we actually, you know, have an open opportunity with? Yep. And, um, you know, what percentage of our pipeline is in our target accounts versus our, you know, accounts that came inbound. Um, yep. It may not matter. Um, for us, it does. Uh, it matters that I want to make sure my reps are not only handling the inbound leads, mm-hmm. but they're proactively focused on certain accounts that just don't naturally come inbound. Sure. And so I look at the pipeline and how many, you know, ops did you create? How many are in the target pipeline? I, I break it down between our um, our products or our pricing tiers. So mm-hmm. how many, what percentage of the ops are in one ca- pricing category or one product category versus another? Especially if you're a multi-product company, you're going to want to measure your pipeline based on product because development just spent, right. you know, you, you as a company just put up a lot of money into developing a certain product. If sure. you don't have, it's not just about the total size of your pipeline. If you don't have a pipeline to support a particular product initiative, then you have to question your investment in that product. So there's yep. a lot of ways to slice and dice your pipeline. And obviously it's kind of what you're, um, what you, depending on your sales strategy, mm-hmm. how you slice and dice it. But I wouldn't be satisfied with just my pipe's big enough is right. the general message. Right. And so when you say target accounts, um, you're, you're talking about just to clarify kind of the total universe of target accounts that you've kind of come up with. Uh, no, actually I'm talking about uh, asking every salesperson yep. and this assumes that you have some kind of territory model and you're not doing a round robin mm-hmm. um but ask and asking every salesperson to identify you know what are those key accounts in my right. patch that i have got to get into because they fit our target profile perfectly um and have a yep. list of them right? i have a list of their top 10 top 25 top 50 whatever makes sense for got your it. business um and then you know you may have rep a whose pipeline is a hundred percent inbound i can I'm a little bit more opportunistic sure. you may have rep b on the total extreme who's 100 percent of their pipeline is in their target accounts right but those are two very different reps right and, and you measure yeah. them and, and you want to have a healthy balance is the reality yeah you want 
your marketing team to be generating a good flow of inbound leads um, and those to convert to, to ops and be a part of your pipeline. But you also want your salespeople proactively reaching out into those accounts that are not coming in through inbound. Mm-hmm. Um, and you want their pipeline to be made up of a certain percentage of those opportunities as well. Sure. So if you had a you know low percentage of target accounts in pipeline, then you may, you know, a, a kind of takeaway from that may be, you know, hey, our, our kind of outbound efforts, you know, the, the target accounts that, you know, our reps are choosing must not be fitting the, the right customer profile. So let's look at what we're winning inbound. Let's reevaluate that. Is Absolutely. that the case? Yep, that could be yeah. the case. It could be you have your rep is not a great prospector. Right. Um, right. right? It could be they need more help from the SDRs. Mm-hmm. It could be they chose the wrong target accounts. Um, sure. But it, again, metrics like, that one was just sort of the quality or the breakdown of your of your pipe. It's supposed to give. It doesn't give you answers. It gives you insight, and then you dig and you know and figure out you know what's potentially causing the issue, yep. and then you react. But you have to measure it so that, you, and you have to measure it early so you have enough time, right. You know, to react. Of course, uh, the last one that you know I found pretty interesting here is just average buying cycle versus average sales cycle. Um, maybe if you could kind of define for us the difference between those two and what's sure. useful about that. Yeah, I mean, not everyone's going to have this phenomena. Um, and there's a lot of, actually, I read, I read something recently about stop calling it a sales cycle, only call it a buyer cycle because <laughs> buyers are in control. And, and I do agree with, with that as well. Um, and defining your sales stages from more from a buyer's perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, we still have we still have our internal metrics that we need to say okay when does it become pipeline right. you know when do I really start holding my reps accountable um, you know to their activity against that opportunity mm-hmm. um, for us at Influitive our sales cycle is when we're at, when the the customer is actively evaluating um, okay. our buy cycle because advocacy is fairly new they mm-hmm. may be thinking about advocacy. And we may be nurturing and, edu- and educating them for months and months and months prior. Yep. Um, but they're not actively evaluating a solution. So it's right. not in a sales cycle. Um, so we measure both um, mm-hmm. so that we can actually see how long it takes from first under you know awareness of what advocacy is and what Influitive is to purchase. Mm-hmm. And then how long it takes from when they actively start evaluating to purchase. Got um, it. And that just gives us a sense of how much nurturing we need to do. Right. Um, I don't consider it a sales cycle until it's active. Mm-hmm. Um, but that buy cycle helps marketing and sales know, um, all, you know, all the nurturing that needs to get done, who needs to do it, how it needs to get done, how often, et cetera. Um, Got it. So that's the difference. Okay. And then the, the, the moment that, you know, the kind of defining moment when it, you know, becomes, when the sales cycle begins, is that, where is that, an SQO? Or, yeah, that's for me, okay. an SQO. Got it. Great. Well, let's move on to, to number four, and that's, uh, you know, probably one that our listeners may be a little bit more familiar with, um, and it's a group we're calling lagging indicators. So, Emmanuel, how do you define that? Yeah, so, I mean, this is the easy stuff. Um, this is all about the what you did um, in the yep. past, and so you know what was what was your growth uh, month on month or quarter on quarter or year on year? You know what was um, your uh, MRR your you know month on month year on year? Uh, how many ramp reps did you have? Um, you know, and how much did they produce yep. right, uh, per per ramp rep? And um, you know what was your churn? What was your win loss ratio? What was your conversion? It's all the things in the past essentially, mm-hmm. um, and in and of themselves are honestly not that interesting. Um, right. And if, if 
you know, if you're only measuring what happened last month or last quarter, um, yeah, you can look at trends and you can do some prediction. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are, those are, it's insightful to kind of figure out what happened. And maybe if there was issues, you can do some course correction, but, um, I actually put these forth for a reason. It's just because I don't get a lot of insight from them. I get a lot more insight from the first three that we talked about, which are the predictive things. Yep. Uh, you know, helping me understand my future capacity, helping me understand my funnel and my pipeline, um, because that's all going to help me understand how I'm going to do in the future and also help me make decisions right now about how I can change course if I need to. Mm-hmm. Um, now, of course, you want your lagging indicators, but they're not all that insightful outside of some trends. Right. Yeah, no, I think, uh, you know, as you said, these are, you know, probably kind of uh, core metrics people are familiar with, uh, have to be tracking them, but, you know, maybe not as, uh, doesn't give you as much foresight uh, around, you know, optimizing your team's performance. Um, But, you know, I I think one that might be interesting to hear about is, is there a specific process that that you take at Influitive or that you've taken in in past roles around win-loss analysis specifically? Is there like a process? Yeah. So, um, absolutely. This is, this one, and I agree with you as often, um, it's often not analyzed enough. Um, Mm -hmm. so process is fairly simple. You, you've, and it's, but it's hard, it's hard to do because reps (laughs) don't want to actually admit the truth, but you have to have pretty, um, spend some time on your win loss reasons. So every time a state, an op goes to a certain stage, then, you know, and if it's a loss stage, then you have to have pretty detailed win-loss or loss reasons behind it. Mm-hmm. And I would force them to choose something from a pick list so that you can report on it. Um, yep. And in addition, force them with required fields in your CRM um, to put in commentary. Because sometimes just the pick list doesn't tell you enough. Mm-hmm. And I would make the pick list fairly granular. Um, you know, high-level things like loss to a competitor is not enough. So maybe the, maybe the pick list says loss to a competitor, but then there's a follow-on that lists which competitor. Sure. And, um, or maybe the pick list says price was too high, but there's a follow-on that allows them to explain that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that's really important. And you, know, and you also have to be pretty maniacal about not allowing ops to stay in your pipeline for too long yep. right? and having exception dashboarding to show your reps, you know, like sort of the wall of shame <laughs> kind of thing, yep. show your reps, right. You know, what ops have been in the pipe too long, manage them to move them out. Um, don't allow more than one loss category. We call ours closed dead. Everything goes into closed dead. And then there's all these sub reasons. Some mm-hmm. of those sub reasons we continue to nurture. Um, and some of those sub reasons we don't like if a company's just not a fit, we don't nurture sure. anything with that sub reason, but if it is not the right time or not a priority, mm-hmm. then we'll put those into a, a really detailed nurture track. So it allows you to actually also break down um, what you do with your losses, not just report on them. Sure, that's reporting is good, but doing something about it's better. Um, and then same with your wins. You know, you, you need a win reason code and why we won. Um, and you, we actually use um, Evernote, and we have reps write up a little win wire um, of why they won, can it get some of that detail out of it, and then we share it with the entire company, um, usually pretty quickly after they, that's a, it's been won. And then, cool. and that gives you a lot of insight into, you know, and then you do have to trend that over time and, yep. and look at it over time. I think the win reason is interesting. I don't think I've, I don't think I've ever heard anyone actually use that term, but I mean, to some extent, that's just as important, right? Why just take the negative out of it? Absolutely. Um, we actually did a we did a podcast which you know maybe some of our listeners have come across um, 
about a month ago with Joe Caprio, head of sales over at Insight Squared. Yep. So we were talking about, you know, kind of must have uh, CRM data fields. And, you know, we were talking about this exact question of, of you know, defining loss reason. And, uh, you know, an interesting tidbit he had as well is, you know, if you're a very early stage SaaS founder, you want to be a little bit more agile. Maybe you don't know what exactly your pick list is yet. You do want to avoid just having an other category because oh, that's definitely. an easy... <laughs> That's a, you know, an easy go-to for, for reps, especially when you don't want to fill out, you know, a ton of CRM data. But what he said is, you know, if you don't have enough information to create the pick lists yet, well, maybe create kind of a, a common language, um, fill out, you know, by hand exactly what the reasons are. And it's, you know, it's a little bit more manual, but you can, if you have kind of common keywords, you can go back and do a little bit of analysis, at least until you have the ability to kind of say, okay, Here's our pick list. Here's the more granular list. Yeah, and when you are ready for the pick list, define it with your team. I mean, even if your team's two or three reps, get them in a room, take yep. a whiteboard, take 20, 30 minutes as to, you know, to actually brainstorm all the reasons why someone says no at any point in the sales cycle, mm -hmm. right? And then you can work on consolidating them and collapsing them into things that are alike and, you know, finding... But you're going to iterate on it, right? You know, you're probably sure. your first pick list, I mean, probably won't be your last. Right, um, right. So, you know, don't be afraid to to iterate on it too so you can continue learning. Great. Well, that about brings us to the end of our podcast today. But a big thank you to Emmanuel Scala of Influitive for joining us today. And listeners, we will see you in a week for another episode of the Bowery Capital Startup Sales Podcast. Mm -hmm.